You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 253rd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 848th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 9th, 2022. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. As you will recall, Indiana entered the 2013 season ranked number one in the AP poll. Think back to how that felt. We were on top of the world, a legit national title contender. And with Tom Crean seemingly rocking on the recruiting trail, it felt like Indiana basketball was really finally, truly back. Um, However, as you will undoubtedly also recall, here are Indiana's preseason rankings since 2013, 28th. No votes, 15th, 11th, no votes, 28th, no votes, 31st, and 40th. And the overall results have more or less matched those rankings, save for those three glorious months in 2016. But with the NBA draft deadline now passed and most college basketball rosters set, save for a late transfer here or there, the dust is settling on a top 25 reshuffling that finally, once again, seems likely to include Indiana. If you tally up the preseason top 25 list from ESPN, CBS, Stadium, Bart Torvik, NCA.com, and 247 Sports, Indiana's average ranking is 12.67 with a high of 7 and a low of 18. Whenever that preseason AP poll comes out, I'd expect Indiana to slot right in there somewhere between 10 and 20. And as you may say, well, who cares? It's just a preseason ranking. And the last time IU was ranked that high in the preseason 2017 – the wheels fell off and the coach was fired. That is true, of course, uh, though I would add that this year's team is returning its point guard and its senior leadership rather than replacing it. Plus, this year's team will feature one of the county's country's most experienced rosters, so it seems like a safer bet than the 2017 squad. Uh, regardless, it's an important step for Indiana basketball, uh, ever searching for that elusive sixth banner just to be back in the preseason top 25 discussion. Because while not being a preseason top 25 team isn't a death knell to banner hopes, considering four teams have actually won the NCAA title after starting the season outside of the top 25, it sure does help the odds to be included. Of the last 37 national champions, 30 or 81% have opened the season not just in the top 25, but in the top 13 where Indiana is currently projected. So while I know some of you, myself included, want to downplay the emerging offseason hype just a little, Uh, Just getting back into the conversation is meaningful for a program with aspirations as big as Indiana's. If you want a reality check on the higher end of the current IU hype, a deeper look at those numbers shows that 27 of the past 37 national champions have opened the season ranked in the top seven, a height IU seems unlikely to attain unless AP poll only takes uh, the vote of Andy Katz. In other words, just being back in the top 25 conversation makes discussion of Big Ten titles and deep tournament runs 
much more realistic, but the program still has plenty of building and winning to do to truly be considered a national contender. But hey, after five years stuck on the outside looking in at the preseason top 25, we'll take any spot we can get. The key is to keep building, but just getting to this point is another important step. Okay, now let me introduce my co-hosts for this week. To my left, he is the president emeritus of the Ron Robert Johnson Fan Club, the best coach uh, in the country, uh, coaching in Cincinnati, and one of the world's uh, most respected bracketologists. He is the best of you sports coaching. You know that we got him. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot him. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, uh, what is your bottoms line on the last few weeks for Indiana basketball? Well, I'm hoping that uh, it's the the weather is calm here now, so I'm hoping I can make it through a whole show with you. on like a couple weeks ago, when 15 minutes in, my power got knocked out, and would be out for the following nine hours. So it was a good uh, it was a good time. But uh, no, exciting. I mean, as you talked about in the open, uh, exciting to have high preseason expectations. Uh, now you've just got that. You know, the, the off season is a series of waits. You waited to see who's going to be on the roster. You have a pretty good feel for that. Now you got to wait and see. Uh, whether things take shape the way that everybody hopes that they will. And uh, it's one of those things where a a lot of people for different teams can get a little bit sucked into, well, they have all these guys back and this is what this means. And and, uh, there are teams every year where you make those comments and things work out fine. And there are teams where you make those comments and and things are not as good as you thought they would be. And so uh, I'm, I'm as optimistic as anybody that, that things will come together. There's still question marks around the team from a, uh, and from a shooting perspective and all those things. But uh, certainly the way the the dominoes have fallen in the Big Ten have been favorable for IU at, at almost every turn, both internally to IU's roster and also what decisions other players have made around the conference. And, and so while I don't think the league will probably be projected to be as strong as it, it has been in recent years, uh, IU – at least based on most prognostications, seems like they're going to be projected to be uh, toward the top of the list. And uh, that's always where you want to be. You just got to back it up when the season actually starts. And to my right, he is a senior writer for the big lead, the 1993, uh, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Solana Beach Little League Sportsmanship Award winner. Uh, a man who has now moved on uh, from wanting to be Indiana shot doctor to setting his sights on new title, a general manager. He is analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, uh, what's on your mind uh, this June evening? Uh, I thought the, the biggest story of the week was Indiana's freshman. Uh, moving into their quarters on campus. Uh, you got Jalen Huchifino, Malik Renault, uh, Caleb Banks, and CJ Gunn were highlighted um, moving into their, you know, apartments and, and getting ready and getting on campus. And, and that means they're going to get to work. And, and so I just thought that was a big step because that's such a huge recruiting class for Indiana, not just this year, but in the years to come. I think all those guys have a chance to really have an impact. And we've discussed it here endlessly. And Jalen Huchifino is – 
you know, point guard of the future and probably going to have a big impact this year. Malik Renault gives you an inside presence you maybe didn't have down the line in the future. Um, and and it, both guys can help now. Caleb Banks, you know, high upside scorer. Um, don't know how much, you know, it's going to depend on over the next few months is going to determine how much he plays. Uh, CJ Gunn, sort of a, you know, six five shooting guard with with some shooting ability some scoring ability again next few months going to determine how much he has an impact this year but just getting these kids on campus it's a huge it's, it's mike woodson's first full recruiting class and it's a big one it is a big one they knocked it out of the park and getting two um you know <clears throat> i know they're on the border but really five-star talents in, in renault and and Huchifino, and then some really good program players in, in banks and cj gunn so that was what was exciting to me. They also picked their numbers, I guess, is the other is the other thing. But um, just seeing them on campus and and to know that you know their career starts this week, you know, and and where and it's up to them where it takes them, you know, and 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 putting in the work and getting better. Um, but it's exciting because that's a, those are, those are four talented kids that are now uh, on campus and officially Hoosiers. So the summer's off to a good start. Here's what we have in store for this week. Segment one, uh, a few questions about uh, Indiana's preseason rankings and a, a schedule update. So, uh, segment two, a look around the conference with the stay-or-go decisions mostly done. Uh, and then segment three, we'll answer a few of the best questions submitted this week uh, from our community uh, members. All of that coming up this week on Assembly Call uh, Radio. And now let's talk about our presenting This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And Homefield has something for fans and grads of other schools, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is Homefield Apparel. Wear one for the team. Okay, um... To finish off segment one, there's been some scheduling information. Uh, Indiana is playing in one of those tournaments where they get to pick some opponents and play multiple opponents two or three days apart in November. Uh, I don't have the actual dates, but we you can find those online. But Miami of Ohio, Jackson State, and Little Rock have been added to the schedule. Andy, uh, we were talking before the show that those aren't really riveting games, but uh, – you never know sometimes with some of these conferences. I do like the conferences where these teams are coming from, and maybe these teams do have middle of the road above in their conference and help Indiana's net ranking and strength of schedule. Yeah, it was interesting. I was looking uh, before we got on at the the updated Torvik rankings, and of the four teams, kind of the non non big name schools that are on the uh, that have been talked about on the schedule, Jackson State and Kennesaw State actually have the highest rankings of the ones that are on there, which everybody would probably project to be the lowest. Um, I, I'm like you. I think uh, playing MAC teams, playing Sunbelt teams for the most part is not going to hurt you, um, which is where Miami and, and Little Rock fall. And then you really hope that that the other two are, are toward the top of their respective leagues. Um, it's, you know, be interested to see, you know, are some of the other uh, 
non-marquee games, but more like middle of the road games, are you able to get some of those uh, in a in a little bit higher tier? That was I know what we were supposed to talk about, uh, and you and Coach Marlowe talked about when I was uh, when I had to, when my power went out. I was I was mad because I actually prepped for the show and had uh, had. To, but you guys luckily mentioned some of the teams, so I think there's some ways to fill that in. I think Kansas does a really good job with uh, with that how they do it. They tend to play some of the top teams or perennially top teams from other leagues like a Vermont. So even though the America East isn't that great, Vermont's typically going to be pretty good, uh, a North Dakota state or somebody like that. So, you know, hopefully I, you can get some of those, um, you know, maybe some of these other games would be a little bit higher uh, within that, you know, kind of middle ground of teams that you want to play. But, um, but, you know, always exciting to see some of the schedule news uh, trickle out and, and some of those things. And, and like I said, like you, I like the conferences maybe more than the teams from those conferences, but, but, uh, we've had times where you, you pick teams that you thought were going to be good and, and they weren't, and they didn't help you as much. I know you, as we were talking, mentioned Marshall before kind of thought that would be a better team than they end up being. So, uh, the truth is we don't really know, uh, but you're better to throw darts within a, a, a good conference as a, you know, typically one of the better mid-major leagues than, uh, than the ones toward the bottom when you're talking SWAC Southland, those kinds of, uh, those kinds of leagues. I believe that leaves three games left. I think we have the 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 ACC challenge. We don't know yet, um, and the uh, the Big East um, games, the Gavit games, and then the two that we know, Kansas and Arizona. Uh, so I think we have three left uh, non conference games left to to be scheduled. So, all right, let's go back to the preseason rankings. Uh, they're they're coming out. Uh, in a variety of sites, we had a couple really great questions uh, about the rankings. Jeff asked, do you think a too early rank of 10 to 15 for IU is legit or setting the fans up for disappointment? Um, and, and we'll couple that and we'll, you guys take it wherever you want. Valerie asked, uh, now that the date to declare for the draft is over, uh, the new preseason rankings are out, IU mostly around the top 10. Does that worry you? Ryan, we'll go to you um, with, with your thoughts on, on the preseason mark of anywhere from seven to 18, uh, depending on, on who you're looking at, but, you know, um, looking at like a four, three, four, five seed preseason ranking, your thoughts on that. Um, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter guys. Uh, I, you know, I think that, it, I, I think that what fans need to do is just understand that to take all of these rankings with a grain of salt, what it means is the program's getting some more respect. So that's good. But you know, if they come out and if they're ranked ahead of a team, they lose to early on or something, it doesn't mean anything. You know, these preseason rankings are all a guess based on paper, you know, based on what they see on paper of a roster. So I, I never, I try not to get too caught up in that. And I don't want our fans to get too caught up in it either because it's, it's not worth anything. It's, it's, a, it's all a projection. Um, the fact that Indiana's getting put in that 10 to 15 range, hey, it's not a bad thing, um, but just also take it with a grain of salt. I mean, they they could be the 20th best team in the country. They could be the fifth best team. We don't know until these teams hit the court. So, yeah, if, if you put any stock into it, you could be setting yourself up for disappointment. Just don't put any stock into it. You know, let the, let the teams play before you start worrying about that. It was a it was a year or so ago. We didn't like any anyone who was nationally saying anything about Indiana basketball, and now that they rank us, you know, high now now we're back on, on board with them. But I, I I tend to agree, Ryan. It's nice that we're in the discussion. The overall 
picture is nice to have Indiana back. I think they deserve to be in that discussion. Where they exactly fall is entirely up to them when they start playing playing games. Uh, Andy, your your thoughts on on where people are projecting the Indiana Hoosiers? Yeah, I mean, I think typically uh, most people who do that will tell you that the top, I don't know, I'll say maybe eight teams are usually pretty easy. And, and a lot of them, as you look across, have the same teams at the top in some order. And then the middle, you've got maybe another 15 or so teams that you kind of throw in a hat and do that. So I guess to be in that you know next tier, uh, at least projection wise, is, is good. Um, you know, like Ryan said, it doesn't really... It uh, doesn't really mean a ton. And I think everybody from an IU perspective feels like they're setting up to get hurt um, and almost would rather it not be that way because everybody has a, you know, kind of waiting for the bottom to drop out when when you start to feel a little bit of uh, hope and optimism. So I think everybody probably tried to keep it at arm's length. And, and even some of the people who they uh, who, who who they didn't like what they were saying about IU, now that they're saying better things, they're maybe not quite so quite so ready to swing the pendulum that far the other way. So. Uh, we'll see. I think luckily the schedule with the couple games you mentioned, presumably uh, if, if you look at the way they typically do the big 10 ACC games, they, they tried to tear out the teams pretty well. I use going to be in the top tier of that. So they're going to get a good opponent there. Gavit games. You really don't know. You're going to know everything you need to know about the team and how they fare in those, those games not that they can't get better, not that they can't do those things, but that will tell you a lot more than the preseason rankings will. You'll have a range. How they fare in those games, for sure. You'll have a, an upper and lower range, I feel, by that point, especially because there's so many guys returning that it's not going to be this long adjustment period of, you know, well, they're all new. they got to learn how to play together. I mean, a lot of these guys have been playing together for a while now. So um, I would say that, yeah, by December, you'll probably know what this team is. I, I think, Ryan, I want to go back to, to what you said. I thought it was really, uh, really good to think about as fans. The trajectory of the program, more than the actual number of who ranked someone 7th, 12th, 15th, or arguing with people where Indiana should be, the trajectory is is skyrocketing upward faster than a lot of us might have thought. Um, you know, last year getting to the tournament was a good start in a first year for Woodson, and all of a sudden now you're talking – you know, the, that 10 to 15 range, that that's a great trajectory. I think that's a very good way for fans to look at it because you drop a little bit or you go up a little bit, that disappointment is not – or or it just keeps things grounded, I think, as fans, and I think that's important. So uh, you, you can be a really good team and rank 21st, uh, and if you, you get your hopes up too high, you know, you need to evaluate. We all need to, as fans, evaluate the team as they perform next year. But I, I like your trajectory comment. I think that's that's pretty solid in how people need to look at the program. Well, it just says that objective outside observers are recognizing the program, and and we haven't had that in a while. You know, it's it's so uh, you know, it's not just us talking about how this team should be pretty good. It's it's neutral observers saying that as well. So it is a good recognition of, of what is maybe happening here um so yeah I, I agree i think that's the upside you take from it other than that nothing yeah nothing. I, yeah i think i think these preseason ones tend to be a lot more reflection of what at least the perceived talent is on the team and not necessarily how they're going to play so if you think about a, a texas from last year they got ranked that high they really underperformed that i don't bring them up to compare them to iu but they were ranked that high because everybody was like 
holy crap, look at all these guys they brought in, these transfers, they're they're bound to be good. This is an assessment of the talent level of the team. So for a team and a program that we have worried has not had the players to achieve the things that fans would want them to, that part is a positive to the extent that you believe it's an accurate reflection of the talent on the roster. And I think everybody probably does. Um, it now is kind of up to you whether you go up or down from there, as Ryan said, is really how you know the coaching staff and the players are able to put that talent into into action uh, and and get results on the court. Yeah, and regardless of of agreement disagreement on the exact number, Indiana basketball is heading in the right direction. And now it just, as we say, almost every uh, off season has to be done on the court because these are just preseason rankings. Okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we'll go. Uh, around the Big Ten to figure out uh, who Indiana's main competitors will be, who could surprise, and what players may be ready to break out. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And, of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thanks, Verdell. Hope to have many more moments. But welcome back to the assembly call. Uh, I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the way too early uh, analysis of what's going to happen in the Big Ten. We had a lot of good questions uh, from our community members. And so uh, Soccer Dad asked, would uh, would like a discussion on the leadership some teams have lost and how IU doesn't appear to have lost any. Sally asked uh, also a recap of which Big Ten teams have lost significant players to the draft. Please and thank you. And then Tom uh, asked what other, big, uh, what other teams in the Big Ten are expecting to be uh, competing at the top of the league this year. So a lot of interest here in June of, about uh, where where the different programs uh, rest now that most of the decisions um, ha- have been made. And um, let's just, 
you know, Indiana obviously is a contender for the Big Ten. Uh, they're getting a lot of recognition for being the favorite. Uh, that can be uh, debated, I think, fairly. But uh, I think there are maybe three or four teams that might be in contention for that number one spot as well as the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll just go around and talk about people we know have left and teams, uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, but let's start um, – how important is it uh, for the amount of minutes coming back that Indiana has, their roster turnover? We'll, we'll go Ryan first. Um, how, how important is that? And then what, what is the thing we need to be concerned, even though we have uh, a heavy number of minutes? Yeah, I, I think that it's obviously great to have these guys who have played together before coming back. You know, it's even different than if you have guys who are backups you know, coming back and then stepping up. Like these, these guys all were on the floor together last year a lot. And so they know how each other play and all of that stuff. And it's your goal as a program is to build that way uh, long-term to at least have some guys on the floor together who, who know each other. And Indiana's basically got all of them. Um, so that's obviously a huge benefit. I, I think the downside is there's so much talent. You got to make sure you're getting guys minutes and you've got to make sure that those second five guys the the, the 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 six through ten on your team need to get minutes especially early in the season to get them up to speed because hey injuries happen uh suspensions as we saw this year happen hopefully not next year but you never know you gotta have these guys ready to go and so i i think that's it's 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 almost like an embarrassment of riches i mean i'm, I'm not saying this is the best roster in the country or anything like that but you've got a lot of guys who can play and you need to play them uh and that will only help your starters long-term. It will only help your stars long-term to get them off their feet some and to save minutes for when you need it late in the year, when you need TJD to go 40 or, or, or at least play the full second half of a, of a big game or something like that. You bank those minutes early in the season that he can then expend later. Um, and you're also less chance for an injury if you're, if you're, if you're not worn down. You know, and, and so – that's what I think the problem is going to be for Indiana is finding minutes for everybody because there are a lot of people who need them. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's going to be an interesting uh, – how they solve that is going to be interesting. Andy, your, your thoughts on the roster returning for Indiana and its impact on, on where they may fall in the pecking order of the Big Ten? Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, – I'm not equating these two situations, but I, I remember there was a year – probably many years that this happened with IU football where it was like, Oh, they bring back this many starters on defense or whatever it was. And it's like, well, that defense was terrible. So it doesn't make you necessarily feel better to bring back, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that, that were on in a situation that was not very good. Uh, I don't think that's the case with IU uh, it, from a basketball perspective at all, but I do think it's j just saying we have a bunch of guys back doesn't necessarily equate to success. Um, but I do think it's because you had combinations of guys who were really the focal points of the team are the ones that were back. That is important. And the way that they grew together over the course of the season was also important. And so presumably that progression will continue over the off season and, uh, and continue to, to improve during the season. I think the other outside of what Ryan talked about and trying to figure out how to dole out the minutes uh, is the, the obvious shooting question for this team presumably if you bring back a large percentage of, of minutes and players from a team that had a deficiency, you would probably expect that deficiency to persist. And so you've got to figure out whether that is 
something that can be improved through either different personnel, different scheme, different, whatever the case may be, just getting up shots in the gym, wh whatever the case may be. I think there's some reasons to be optimistic that there can be improvements there. But uh, again, if, if you think about people being wary of the preseason expectations, hey, a lot of it probably uh, is a result of the, of the shooting conversation. So uh, those are at least a couple things that, that, that I think about it. It's, it's, um, but I think that the good thing about it is you look at how the team was playing and peaking toward the end of the season. That's what makes you excited to have a lot of those guys back as a foundation. And then you've just got to figure out to Ryan's point, how you integrate the new pieces that we're all excited about into some kind of cohesive rotation that, uh, you know, what you, you're going to expect from them, uh, on a, on a nightly basis. I think the biggest thing for me is an established point guard coming back. The game of basketball is a guard position. And I think, uh, there were times when Xavier Johnson, obviously, I think, was the best point guard in the Big Ten, especially the way he played uh, down the stretch. So so having Xavier back to run the show and then having a top-level pass-first freshman in Jalen hood Shafino to give him spell him minutes on the ball, I think that speaks volumes. The, the biggest question mark is the shooting, the, the two-guard spot. Um, and the two and the three, can you get volume scoring uh, from those guys where Tamar Bates is probably, for me, the secret to coming back. Um, nice little clip on him playing with some pros. Um, so I, I think he had a, had a you know, up and down freshman year, but if he can steady that out, guards win in college basketball. It's nice to have our, our, our post play at the top two, but if you add better guards, that's why I think Indiana is a top team in the Big Ten. And when you look at the other teams, as we'll go down, and I have some questions for you, there's not a lot of guards. You know, Dickinson's back, and, and um, there's some bigs that are coming back that are, are well-known, but there's a lot of question marks with who's going to run the show for, for teams. That doesn't mean they won't be good, uh, because none of us really talked a lot about Johnny Davis at Wisconsin last summer either. Uh, and then he just blossomed up into into what, what he was heading into the pros. So I think Indiana rightfully gets um, what they deserve as far as uh, being, you know, preseason number one in the Big Ten. I'm not sure I want to, corner, you know, put them at the top right now, but I think they're definitely one of the top two or three teams in the league. So the next question goes out um, – for how do you judge and how do you go about teams like Illinois who lost a ton, lost guards, lost Kofi, um, but they add some really good transfers. Uh, they add some really good freshman guards. Do they – they're number 13 in Torvik. Indiana's number 12. So they're right on the heels if you go by Bart Torvik in the, in the preseason rankings. How do you evaluate that, Andy, when you lose so much, but you add some really good players that haven't played together versus a team like Indiana that has those minutes uh, together? Yeah, they're, they're a hard one to, to figure because you have to assume that the way they're going to play is going to change dramatically. So w without Kofi, that changes a, a ton of things. That changes things defensively. It, it certainly changes the way they want to uh, play on offense. So that's where – that they're a little bit not to beat my Texas analogy into the ground from before. I agree with you that they've got some intriguing pieces coming in. Uh, Matthew Meyer coming from Baylor, Terrence Shannon from, from Texas tech, I think are both um, are both intriguing players have a lot of experience and will ideally if they, you know, the system works for them can uh, give a little bit of stability 
but also to your point, you know, a lot of these younger guards that they're really going to be counting on, how will that play out? We've certainly seen scenarios where that didn't play out right away. So um, th they seem to be, for what it's worth, picked by most to be, you know, the, the second team in the Big Ten by just about everybody that I've looked at. I think Gary Parrish might be the only one. I don't think they're in his top 25 and one uh, unless I missed it when I was looking today. And so there's a pretty wide range of outcomes, but it's definitely opposite of IU in the sense that you kind of know how IU is going to play. They return a lot of personnel. They figured some things out. When this team rolls the ball out the first time for the first game, they're going to look a lot like they probably did at the end of last season. And I don't think that's the case with Illinois at all. And maybe that's a good thing for those who don't believe that a college basketball team these days is going to be all that successful by playing around a, a guy like Kofi in the, in the middle. Um, so they're kind of hard for me to gauge. Uh, I think you got a lot of guys who are going to want the ball. Uh, and that probably becomes difficult. I know there was, some, uh, I remember a game watching Terrence Shannon. He was upset because the coach called a timeout toward the end of the game because he wanted to take a guy one-on-one, -on -one, take the last shot. Um, Meyer, I think, is a guy who's walking into that situation saying, went into the transfer portal, looked at a bunch of stuff that basically he was out there for the highest bidder and uh, from an NIL perspective. And But I think he's a guy who's going to want to take shots. You got uh, highly highly rated freshman guards who are going to want to take shots. So I think figuring out the shot distribution is going to be pretty challenging for Underwood in that scenario. Yeah, Illinois could be this year's Texas. You yeah. Know, where, like, they get a bunch of transfers who've never played together before and a bunch of guys just in general who never played together before. And what's going to happen? So. Ryan, I'm going to come to you with number 23, Michigan State. They got some players back. They got their guards uh, back. The Walker guy, Hogard back. Uh, they got some bigs, Hall um that they have some shooting back there's a question uh i think later on and i may be jumping the gun from section three about which teams have the best shooting and when i looked at this i thought michigan state maybe had the best shooting perimeter shooting coming back uh, to me it looks like michigan state might be one of the toughest teams too and always with coach Izzo, uh i know he's been down a little bit uh, from the top of the big 10 but to me i think michigan state uh is is one of the main contenders for the Big Ten. Yeah, Mac, losing Max Christie really hurt, though. I think they would have been undoubtedly number one right? Um, if Max Christie had come back, but losing him really hurts. Um, we'll see with them. I, You know, it, it's funny. With Michigan State, you feel like you know what that team's going to be every year, and somebody jumps up and gets way better and, you know, is not necessarily their leading scorer or something, but but pops and is a big factor and changes their fortunes, you know, good or bad. Some guys you're expecting them and they drop off. I mean, it's, it's always something different than you expect with Michigan state. So I'm kind of like wary on where that'll be. We know that Izzo can coach and, and they've got some returning guys. I mean, they got three seniors and a junior as their top four returning or their project, as you no noted, their projected minutes returning. Um, so they've got veterans, they've got talent. They always have talent. So it'll just be interesting to see, Who's that guy that's going to step up this year that's going to stand out from the crowd? Because there, it always seems like there's one there. Andy, your thoughts on on Michigan State? Yeah, I think with them, with just about any year, it's a it's a bet on Izzo, even when you think that, that they lost a lot. And, you know, they're kind of in the middle. They lost a few key players, but they returned enough uh, in Hogard and, and Hall uh and and tyson walker where 
there's there's enough there that you could piece it together. They did lose some uh, some bulk inside with with Bingham uh, leaving and then and then Christie uh, there, but they got a couple decent recruits coming in. Figure if he can get them to play, Izzo gets them to play the way that he wants. Like they're going to be in most games uh, based on the way that they play. If he's able to do that, so um, I, I think they'll be I think they'll be reasonably good, but um, not a lot of big names necessarily for them in the way that it seems like there for a while they always had big name guys coming back and uh, different things like that. I think you know losing Gabe Brown is is going to be you know he's a little bit disappointing last season, still going to be a big loss there. So. They got a lot of a lot of shuffling around, I think, from a starting lineup perspective to try to figure things out. But there's enough there where between Izzo and the guys they've got coming back, they're not going to totally fall off and have at least some room to be at the top and, and dependent. Like Andy Katz has them ranked as high as anybody, although he seems wildly high on the Big Ten in general based on where he has teams ranked. So uh, I'm not sure what necessarily is driving that optimism, but uh, we'll see. And the surprising Bart Torvik surprising number is Purdue at number twenty eight. They they lost a ton. Um, they have the big guy back in Edie. Uh, they have some front court guys who did some nice things, can shoot the ball. And Gillis first. Uh, Newman uh, came on late uh, after a disappointing year uh, in in his second year. Uh, they're gonna have to rely on you know, some freshman guards uh, to, to run the program. Andy, is Purdue going to be a top 10, a uh, top team in the Big Ten? They're a hard one to peg. I mean, there's reason to believe they could fall into the middle of the pack just because there's tons of questions at, at guard uh, for them. Uh, you know, they lose Hunter and Thompson to transfer, uh, which are, are – both key losses given you also lost shade and ivy so it's really the backcourt questions I, front court wise they've got a lot to be excited about with you know Edie coming back gillis had some good minutes um another year caleb first trey kaufman will be uh be playing presumably so you've got some things there to be excited about but as you said it is a guards game so there's a lot of questions to be answered there and i wouldn't be shocked if they still get somebody out of the portal I'm not sure who they're still pursuing there, but you have to think they're going after uh, people there to try to bolster the backcourt a little bit. So there's a, a bit more experience there. That's that's a good point. I think they, uh, I saw somewhere where they still have a spot or two available yeah. on their roster. I, I would imagine they're going hard after whatever guards are out there that <laughs> they think can step in. Ryan, uh, can Purdue stay at the top? Uh, you're muted there. Sorry, uh, they lost Jaden Ivy. I like. I just don't see how they bounce back from that without a one-for-one -one replacement. I really don't. And and I mean, they could be solid. They could be a solid team, but they're not going to be the high upside team they were this year without him. They're just not. They don't have a straw that stirs the drink on that team. You know, I don't. I don't see it. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know. Maybe they land somebody. I, I don't. I don't know. But as of now. I, I just don't see how they're better than last year and, and quite frankly should drop off a bit. Yeah. You know, they don't have that closer. We, we talk about that uh, a lot and I think they're going to miss, they're going to be good because painter does a good job and they have a good system. But um, yeah, I, I think Purdue's going to be competitive. I think they're going to be a tourney team, but I don't know that they will be the, the top team 
in in the tournament. Uh, the the last team that we'll focus a lot on, and I'll have some general questions about the rest, is Michigan. Hunter Dickinson is back. Um, Coach Howard's kids are coming in. They were supposed to be a number one, number two in the league last year and fell down to eighth. Um, can Coach Howard get this team back to the top four in, in the league? Uh, Ryan, your your thoughts on Michigan? I mean, they certainly got the talent. You know, it's it's really going to depend uh, on how he deploys them. Um, Dickinson is, you know, you have, when you have a top tier player like that, you can always do something. And and again, they're loaded with talent. It's just a matter of, you know, actually deploying it correctly on the floor. And you know, his first couple of years, he had, you know, John Beeline's guys, and now it's about deploying his own guys and figuring out how to do that and how to get those top talents and make them work in a system. You know, it, it's it's easy if you just roll the ball out and let them go. But if you're trying to actually have them work together, um, that, you know, that's the hard part. And so it's, it, it, they are, in, in my opinion, Michigan is the biggest question mark in the Big Ten because they certainly have the upside of a team that could be a top 10 college basketball team. Um, but they also could do what they did this year. And we just don't know. Juwan Howard hasn't been around enough to, to, to sort of know uh, which, which way this is going to go and, and if he can do it. And I think he can. I think he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, but it might be just they're in an adjustment period. I don't know. But I, I think that that's – because that's a team last year that would show up and blow somebody out by 30 and then lose a game they should win. You know, and, and so it's just you never knew what you were going to get. And um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to expect from them at all. I think they're the biggest question mark by far. Yeah, for me, it, it's pretty tough to – they were hurt as much as anybody by last-minute draft decisions and and stuff like that with, with both Houston and, and Diabate staying in the draft. I think if Houston comes back, that gives at least another outside presence that you at least figure as a sophomore, he becomes more consistent, you, you, you go that route. So now they've really got Dickinson – largely question marks returning outside of him, but you do have a good recruiting class, a couple of top 50 guys, including uh, Jet Howard there. So uh, it, it'll be, again, they're going to rely a lot on either. Somebody's going to have to take some massive steps forward of the guys that they have uh, returning or the freshmen are going to have to produce right away or both. And if he can help kind of shepherd them to, to getting that to happen, then, uh, then they should be toward the top. But yeah, I think it, it, with all these teams, there's some fairly big question marks um, with everybody there. And it seems like when you look at. Oops, Andy, you hit mute or your microphone popped out. There you go. It might've cut out. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it, you can see as people rank, they just kind of throw some of these teams in the middle like in a in a bunch and they're all ranked really close together because I think nobody knows what to make of them. So Bart Torvik has uh, Indiana 12, Illinois 13, Michigan State 23, Purdue 28, and Michigan 30. If you say that's a pretty good list of the top five teams, the next five teams are Iowa at 36, Rutgers at 50, Maryland at 51, Ohio State 59, and Wisconsin at 67. So the next five – is going to come somewhere from those teams, according to Bart Torvik. Um, Ryan, what team out of those five do you think 
has the best chance of, of moving up and, and challenging the top five? And, and which team of these five do you think um, might uh, drop down to the, the 9, 10, 11 area of the Big Ten? It's hard to – like, I feel like Rutgers is due for a drop, but they're always, they're so well coached, it's hard for me to, to, to you know, think Peichel is just going to have a complete awful situation there. Um, Ohio State's really well coached. So they can move up. The one thing is, I think Wisconsin's going to be higher than that just because of the system. Right. They're, they're a system team, and they always seem to be in that, at worst, in the 20 to 40 range. You know, and and by the end of the year, that's where they wind up. So I'll say, looking at that list, I'd say Wisconsin team that could drop. Um, I, I think Rutgers. I have to pick Rutgers just because they're losing Baker and Harper, and it just felt like those guys were the ones who made the big shots all the time for them to keep them, you know, alive um, in games. Um, Maryland, I know. Uh, has some transfers and, and uh, you know, has a lot of seniors. So I, I don't think they'll drop off that much. I, I would say I think Rutgers will be the big draw. I thought Iowa was going to drop off huge this year, and they didn't. Uh, I mean, they did from where they were top five or whatever, but they didn't fall to the 70s, you know. Um, so I'll say Rutgers will be the one to drop out. And I, I would say that I project Wisconsin to be better than 67 just because they seem to, no matter who they have, they plug guys in there and it just it winds up working. As much as it pains me to say, McCaffrey does a good job of developing players. Garza goes from not doing much early in his career to being a great player by the time he was done. The Murray brothers uh, started out slow, and and you know I, I believe Chris Murray is going to make a really big jump next year for Iowa um, with that. And I agree with you on Wisconsin. Um, they lose Davis and Davidson. Thank goodness, uh, you know both of those guys are gone. But the system, they've proven over and over again as team as players leave that they, they keep competing. Andy, which team in the, in that uh, in Bart Torvik's six through ten moves up and, and which uh, is more likely to move down according to who's back and who's not back? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I I'm I'm conditioned not to really trust Maryland, but I gotta remember that that Turgeon is not really there anymore. But I, I you know, I think new coach feels like they might be one that's not gonna uh, it might be a year away from getting the system in Ohio state is, is interesting. They, they lose a ton of talent in Liddell and Branham. They, they got a good recruiting class coming in. You're going to need some of those guys. They've got some good transfers. Theirs is a, a really interesting mix that if, if, you know, suing can stay healthy, uh, Seth Towns, I think battled injuries, if if Holtman can figure it out, I think there's a decent amount of talent there. I know Torvik is fairly low on them comparatively uh, to others, and and Rutgers is another interesting case where you lose the you know the two key guys, but almost everybody else is back. They've got a de- definitive style that they're going to play, but it's just when the shot clock's running out and you need somebody to go get a basket, you lost your two guys that can go do that. So they would probably be the one that I would be a little bit skeptical on just because of. Uh, losing those guys, but if somebody else is able to step into those roles, then maybe, uh, maybe they're able to to maintain where they are. Um, yeah, betting against Wisconsin has not gone well. So, as much as you look at the talent drop off and you say that this will backslide, uh, we're probably not doing a very good job of uh, looking at at history and learning lessons from that by saying they're going to be the one to to fall off. Even though uh, many people w- would be delighted to see that. 
I, I think Maryland, Ohio State, and Illinois all have transfer issues that you got to watch early and see who meshes in whatever team. Uh, Maryland might have the uh, – they do have a new coach, so that's going to be a hindrance possibly, but they have a lot of seniors back. Um, so I, I think Maryland might be, you know, in a better situation of those three teams that are, are needing either a lot of transfers or Ohio State's got some really good freshmen. Uh, but, again, in their first year, I think those teams uh, are going to suffer. So that leaves uh, Penn State at 79, Nebraska 84, Northwestern 92, Minnesota uh, 111th. Uh, to end this segment, which team pops? Uh, which, which team of these four surprises people and moves up and possibly – uh, gets to seven, eight, nine in the Big Ten, and maybe can eke into a tournament. Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. I don't know that I would give any of them a, a great chance of of eking their way into a tournament, but I will say uh, I like I like some of what Micah Shrewsbury has been able to do. So I, I think at that point you're doing a little bit of betting on a coach to uh, to push you over the top. So he of that group, he's even though he's you know new to to being a head coach, I thought he did some good things there. Um, so again, to me, if you're doing that, you're you're likely betting on the coach, and I guess he's the one I'll uh, I'll bet on out of that group. Ryan, which which team do you think might surprise some people and pop up? I don't I don't like any of them, quite <laughs> frankly. Like I can't like I, I don't have a lot of hope for any. Like I legit can't pick one where I think I can make the case that they're going to jump up. I mean. You know, maybe as Andy said, Penn State because it's Shrewsbury's second year and they just look like a different team, you know, in the second year or something. But I, I, I don't see any of these teams, you know, really making a move. I, I just can't. I, I can't see it work. I can't imagine a universe where it works out. Uh, for me, I'm going to be the third guy in on Penn State because of the coaching. Uh, I thought they played well in the Big Ten tournament and another year, a summer of him developing. And they have some guards back again, sticking with. Um, the theme of, of guard play. So that's kind of the, the quick analysis of, of the draft decisions and the transfer where, where the rosters sit right now. We'll obviously change our mind uh, once November comes around. We start seeing these guys uh, play, but uh, that's what the, the summer's for. But coming up here on the assembly call, we'll answer the best questions that were submitted by our community members this week. Uh, that'll be next. So stick with us here on assembly call. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. 
Welcome back. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, it's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Jay asks, with only three all-conference players returning, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, Dickinson, and Edie, which other returning players are most likely to make an all-conference team this coming season? Um, just throw out a couple names you think might make um, – well, if we do what top five, or do they do more? Xavier than Johnson. Xavier Johnson, nice. I like not it. first team probably, but I think he makes an all-conference team. I think. I mean, I think he could be in the running theoretically for first team. I mean, if IU wins yeah. the league and sure. he continues to play how he how he did toward the end of the year, I mean, I think you would assume. I guess if if you believe that Illinois is going to be toward the top of the league, you'd want to pick somebody from there. I would be. I would lean toward Terrence Shannon, but yeah, um, that's what I would say too. And then if you're looking at a Michigan state in that range, you know, maybe it's a, a guard, maybe it's, maybe it's Hogard. Uh, that, that feels like a, a stretch that's though. Scott um, from Maryland coming him, back. Yeah. He's been pretty good. Chris in the Murray. Past. Yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris Murray. Murray would be an interesting one. I, I thought, I mean, he obviously tortured IU in the, in the game, at Iowa, but I think he was so good in that game. I thought it was his brother doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, it was so, I, yeah, like, I yeah, kept I every wanna... time I had to keep reminding myself that it was not. Yeah. Yeah. But I could see him taking that next step. I mean, he showed uh, a lot of the same versatility that, uh, that his brother showed and now his brother's not there. They need somebody to be able to step into that role. So I think that's a good one as well, at least potentially. So I'm not sure if this is a new segment or not. It's on the run sheet. Uh, this is in jest uh, for anyone listening, but uh, this person sent it in as the dumb question of the week instead of the mediocre question of the week. Um, was Calvert Chaney really that good, or did he just stand out because he's surrounded by inferior talent on poorly coached teams? Uh, okay, yeah, he was really that good, and it was well coached, and there was a lot of talent. We, we can we can probably move on on from that, but. Thanks for your submission. This one is really uh, fantastic. I think this is for Andy and myself. James asks, okay, uh, for the both of you, Ryan just moved apartments, but let's say he needed to move in with either of you and your families. If the universe guaranteed IU would win a championship every year in which Ryan lived with you, how many championships would IU win? For example, Ryan's just moved in and he stays through the tournament. IU will win in 2023. The universe requires that Ryan contribute nothing financially to the household. Also, the universe has no control over what effects this might have on your respective marriages or whether your children start to develop Ryan-like personality traits. Do you exchange years with Ryan in our houses, Andy, for IU national champions? Via my persona, I'm a great house guest. I clean up after myself. I'm yeah, I'm quiet as a mouse. I I'm 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 a great house guest. You're you're I mean, you're in at this place. Yeah, I I feel like I, I mean, I don't know the number of years. I mean, this makes it seem like he's like a prisoner in some way that eventually if he no. wanted to leave of his own accord, he right. would be unable to, which let's which just feels... say I love your house so much I'll stay indefinite as long as you'll have me. We'll say that. Okay. 
I mean, I I think we could I think we could make it work. I mean, we we've got realistically, I mean, our our basement has a separate bedroom and whatever. I mean, if we didn't want to see you, we could make that work. So I feel like I, it, that would be a two way door, my friend. There would yeah. be times. That, well, that, Andy, you could you have you're going to be driving girls to practice and have meetings and everything. You know, it doesn't sit. say. He contributes nothing financially, but it doesn't say he contributes absolutely nothing. I oh. can carpool. He can be I the can, driver, go get groceries. Coach. Yeah. I mean, I'm at a point where I don't really need like babysitting per se. I right. mean, a few years ago, this could have been really clutch, Very in which helpful. case I would have, I would have potentially entertained the idea for even longer, but. No. So in between I, my move, just FYI guys, in between my move, I was living in a friend's guest house and when it was, uh, and his wife was pregnant, they had two kids and his wife was pregnant. And I basically said, when, you go into labor, I'll leave because you guys need your house to yourself and all this. Um, they actually asked me to stay at the end because they liked having me around so much and I was great with the kids. So just, I mean, you know, just, you know, I, I'm just saying I'm a great house guest. All right. Uh, yeah, I will. I will say from we had a the, Jared put this in our text chain last week. Uh, it was a text with him and his wife. This is good. Uh, whose response was WTF. I suspect you would let him live with us forever. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited championships, folks. Unlimited and championship. by the way, our fans of the assembly call would pressure Jared and you to let me keep staying. So they kept winning championships. Exactly. So you guys would be getting it from all angles. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Let's, um, you guys asked a lot of good questions. I think we kind of answered them somewhat. We, we could keep these around and maybe make them a, a part of segment twos for the summer. Uh, JD asked about the, the other good shooting teams. I think we addressed that. Uh, good question, JD. Phil asked, um, with the Bart Torvik stuff coming out, uh, the returning starters, did any other big team make significant improvements? We kind of answered that. Again, Phil, we JD and Phil, we may um, – put those together steven asked a really good question that i think is a segment are we ready to have lineup conversations uh if so you know starting five closing five defensive five shooting five and playmaking five that would take way too long to to discuss all that but i think that's a good off-season um segment there steven so we're going to pass some of these on to to maybe the run sheet next um rick does say i'm still expecting some punishment for x perhaps two to three games at the beginning of the year I just don't think Woody's the type of coach that lets that slide without consequences. Uh, thoughts on on that, uh, Ryan? We there. Yeah, I'm, there'll be some kind of punishment. I don't know if it'll be. You know, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on how many games because we don't know the whole story of what happened and you know what's going to come of it. But yeah, I do expect some kind of disciplinary action for that. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, but I mean, it's, it, at this point, it's hard to guess without knowing, you know, everything that's officially true about it. Um, we've heard rumors and certainly whispers and all of that, but uh, without knowing the whole story 100, it's it's really hard to guess. But the fact that he didn't kick him off the team tells me that Woody believes that Xavier is, you know, he's okay, uh, you know, and I think that they'll 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 punish him appropriately. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, based on it, you know, with the suspension from the Northwestern game last year, it, it, it feels like something has to be done. And I would agree that something should be done. I think it's just a matter of the extent uh, to, to which he'll be, he will be suspended. But I would be, uh, 
I'd be pretty shocked if there wasn't a multiple game suspension to start the season. I, I completely agree. Give Jalen Hood Shafino a chance to run the show for a little bit. Yep. So schedule those cupcakes before the Gavit games or <laughs> anything else and just be, you know, smart with what games get a, you know, suspend him from the scrimmage and the exhibition game. Um, Leslie asked a great question here, and we can and, and touch upon it as quick as we possibly can. Uh, Leslie asked, please comment on the best incoming freshman in the league and past freshman of the year winners. I don't have a list of the past freshman of the year winners. Leslie, we'll have to get back with you on that. But I, we do have a, a list, uh, thanks to Sports Illustrated, had out uh, about the top 25 freshmen coming into the Big Ten. And for Indiana fans, Sports Illustrated has number one, Jalen hood Shafino, number two, uh, Malik Renault in their list, and number 15, uh, is Kayla Banks. So three freshmen in the top 15, according to the Sports Illustrated article, uh, incoming uh, freshmen. Some notable um, notable names at, at number 11 is a guy Indiana was on but went to Ohio State and Bryce Sensiball. Um, th- these are based on the, the 247 uh, overall rankings. Uh, some other things as I looked over that um, – Ohio State has four guys in the top uh, 11. Uh, so when we talked about them improving this year, you know they're going to rely a lot on some, some young guys and how quickly they can adapt to the Big Ten. That, that'll impact where they fall. Um, the Jet Howard, uh, coach's son at Michigan, came in at number five. Uh, and probably the, the other impact, uh, a lot of these are impact players, but Sky Clark, the point guard at Illinois, will have a huge – impact on what Illinois does. Can a freshman guard come in and play at the level that, that they need? Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts on any of the incoming uh, freshmen? I, I know it's all kind of up in the air, but th- those are some incoming freshmen to, to watch. Yeah, I think they just took the 24-7 rankings and yeah. pasted it. I mean, it, that's what it just seems like, is they just took the way they're ranked in the recruiting services and just ordered them that way. Right. Um, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of thought was put into it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, Indiana having the, the top two guys, I, you know, I don't know if they're the top two, but they, they certainly are going to be two big impact guys. And Huchifino being number one makes a lot of sense, given that he's definitely going to play a lot. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that part, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think it underscores some of what we talked about earlier with the rosters and the teams that are really going to be relying on trying to integrate at least some of these pieces relatively quickly. You know, Illinois has got three guys in the top 12 Ohio state coaches. You mentioned has a bunch of guys up there in Michigan with a couple. Um, but what you do see, and I think this is something that Alex has brought up on, on podcast on the brink before is that there just is not a ton of top end talent entering the league. Um, when, when you look at uh, even hood Shafino, he's first and he was number 22, in the two, four, seven sports. I mean, he's the only top 25 guy there that's, that's even coming into the league. So I think it does speak. Yeah. I think when we think about how the league is going to be in totality, as we talked about, not going to be as strong as it was. And a part of that is you lost a lot of guys who had been there and you didn't really replace that with uh top freshman, which is really becoming a theme for the league that uh, we'll be interested to see if that's able to kind of turn that around at some point in the, in the near future. So we're going to wrap this up and here, I don't know what's going on with our, all of our great fans, but they like to submit dumb questions. And now we submitted someone 
called their question a stupid question. It's summer summer blues, but Valerie asked this. Uh, the IDS recently published a story about the Fern Hills Club located in southern Bloomington. Fern Hills is a quiet nudist campground which hosts clergy, lawyers, and just regular folks. Here's the challenge. You and your family must spend a week at Fern Hills. In return for a week of good, clean fun, you get to choose just one of the following. Beat Kentucky, Sweet Purdue, Perfect Regular Season, Dinner with IU Legend of Your Choice, or Courtside Tickets for the Entire Season. It's not a question like I would do that for any one of those. I'm just worried about the other people at Fern Hills if they got to deal with me for a week. And I've always been con- trying think, to be concerned with saying, other people. saying you have to bring your family there. I don't think she's saying you participate in the nudist. Oh, I think she's saying you have to then. see all the people. Oh, I, I assumed that you were you, you were a participant in the scenario. Okay, well, well let's let's go with that way then. Um, and eliminate the family and or maybe significant other or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one because, you know, undefeated regular season doesn't mean you're going to win a title. Right. Um, and a lot of teams that have done that have wound up not winning the title, obviously. Um, sweeping Purdue is always good. I think after all this time. But if you have a perfect regular season, you sweep Purdue anyway. So Yeah, I think need... but maybe, maybe let's say Purdue's not on the schedule. Like, or, you know, I mean, obviously they are, they are. But, you know, I would say, I, you know what, after all this time, I think beating Kentucky would be my number one for that. Just because of the stink they made and not wanting to do it. And then just the first time back would beat them again. I, yeah, I think, I think it's beating Kentucky. I mean, I guess I would, I would potentially lean toward the perfect regular season. Cause to me embedded yeah, in that special. is, is your sweet. Now we don't play Kentucky. But you would do that. And also, you win the Big Ten title. Let's be real. If you go a perfect regular season, yeah, right. big, so maybe maybe that's the one you go with. And that and has to probably while, be the answer. While I would be tempted to to pick the dinner with the IU legend of your choice, the perfect regular season is something that could be shared and enjoyed by right. uh, by more people than than just me. Similar to like the courtside seats, is really just something for me. So I would, uh, I guess, I'll say the perfect regular season. But. I've talked to Marco Killingsworth before. I need to have dinner with him. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. We would all spend a week at Fern Hills uh, for a perfect regular season. Uh, if I did that, it'd probably be the end of Fern Hills. Um, but and Ryan, if you move in, you you can't do that here. Um, we're going to win okay. the championship just because hey, I'm ground rules. I'm good with ground rules, but you okay. got to set them. You know, don't <laughs> just expect me to know what your rules are. And the last last question uh, the night's from Andrew. Are we actually going to get an assembly ball uh, TBT team? I've not heard anything more since Devontae Green and Newkirk were announced. Anybody have any word on um, whether they're in the tournament, the basketball tournament, or I not officially? Recently. I haven't either, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be awesome if they could find a way to do it. I think you'd certainly be able to find players and get fan support, which is such a big piece of, of TBT, but I have not heard anything additional since then. Let's hope so, Andrew. I think that would be great. I think we would do some shows based on that. Um, I think that's a it's a fun tournament to watch, uh, and Indiana, with its history, deserves uh, to have a team in that uh, for all of us to watch. Well, that'll do it uh, for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. 
Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RiggsDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you all again next week. Until then. Take it from me, Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. You would never get your shot off on me. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. Good show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Well, so are next week, are all three of us gone? No, I'm uh, Jared and I I think we'll be on the show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out for sure. But how long are you going on vacation for, Andy? Uh, Just the the week. Just a week. Yeah. We leave tomorrow, driving part of the way tomorrow, and then we'll be there, come back next Saturday. Hope you guys have a great time. You deserve a little break, I think. We we definitely can use one, that is for sure. So we are looking forward to it. Your so. thoughts on the live golf thing, Ryan? Oh, uh I think if the PGA tour really is scared of this thing, they should just lifetime ban everybody who plays in it. And and get and work with the majors and say you can't play in the majors if you play in it. Because that's what the majors mean something to golfers. The problem is, is that these guys are getting tens of millions of dollars to do it. But the bounce back from that is a lot of their sponsors don't want to sponsor them anymore because they don't want to deal with the whole Saudi Arabia thing right. and be associated with that. And that might last like a couple of years, but for now they don't. Want to, so these guys are losing a lot of endorsement money that would make up for that tens of millions. I mean, these guys, the most money they make is from endorsements. They, it's not winning tournaments. Um, so yeah, it's a weird situation. Um, as it is now, you look at the roster and you're like, all right, I'm not dropping everything I have to watch these guys play. You know, it's Sergio and Phil Mickelson, guys who were good years ago. And Bryson DeChambeau's on it. Everyone hates Bryson DeChambeau. Why do I want to watch him play? It's the guys who are even watching anyway, can you? It's not even, they don't even have like a TV deal, right? They got 96,000 people to watch today. 90, that's it. That's it. Like that's somebody posted that that's what a 4 a.m. reshowing on like ESPN two of a Stanley Cup hockey game got at like 4 a.m. Yeah. And these guys are and, and, and these guys are trying to do this hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I think here's the thing: if Augusta, the U.S. Open, PGA, and I know the the British probably will too. Um, if those four all just say you can't play if you play on that thing. You have to, you have to like participate in these terms. I mean, but legally, can they do that? Yes, they can. They can, they can ban anybody from playing in any of their tournaments. They, they have, I mean, the the thing, the thing for me is like the Saudis don't need this to make money. They just need it. They just want it to be seen as they're, they're okay through golf. So like they don't need a business model to make money. So like they don't need viewers and they don't need any of that because they're just throwing money away. It's got to be it's got to be sustainable in some way, um, and I'm sure that like some of these golfers are getting a piece of, you know, whatever the action is. I'm sure it's right. not just a salary. I, I'm yeah. sure that some of them are getting a piece of whatever the action is. Um, if I'm the so golfers, I'm making sure that money's in my account first. Well, here's the, here's the other <laughs> thing though, and I was like, who even knows if the golf is going to be any good because you're paying these guys up front, right? Like the you thing don't about have to be good. Is you win, you get like you know, you win the 
you know, the masters or whatever, you get the green jacket, you get all that. We also get a load of money, you know, and, and a lot of these other tournaments are that way too. And if you're paying these guys up front, like what's the motivation for them to actually win other than like just competitiveness. If you get 125 down, if a guy's down, you know, on the, on the front nine, he's like, well, I'm probably not going to come back. Like why even, why even try? The the right shot is a layup here, and there's no chance for me to hit the green, but I'm plus six, and at worst I'm going to get 120000 if I finish last. And I've already cashed my $70 million appearance yes. fee. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. You're, you're, you're exactly right because the money they're getting, the big money they're getting is just to participate. And, and Jay and, brings up a good point, and I've listened to a lot of talk on this because I just ate up about the PGA. I love watching golf and, and betting golf and all yeah. that. Um, these guys talk about freedom, but they're signed up for eight, to eight you know, like they got to play in these things. And then what other mm-hmm. obligations do they have, uh, to, to handshake with some of these real scrupulous people. And, yes. uh, and then the other thing is like this league stops when MBS or whoever at Saudi Arabia is just tired of it. Like he has no commitment. Like if he wants to spend all this billions of dollars for four years, five years, and all of a sudden he's like, yeah. We got what we wanted out of it. Now we're done. Now all those guys are just screwed. Yeah, but maybe they're screwed with they should, 125 million though. That's what. That's why I think they should do lifetime bans. Because right mm-hmm. now, if it's a temporary ban or an indefinite ban or whatever, these guys have the option to just like, oh, I quit. I'm sorry, you know, and come back. No, make it hurt. Make it hurt. Like ban Phil for life. I mean, Phil, Phil's a San Diego did guy. Did you see? Did you see his? They have walk up music supposedly. Yes. And his well, that one that that one was that was fake. The money, money, money thing. Was oh, fake. okay. I thought was, that was. Yeah. I fell victim no, to that fake. one. Then they do have walk up music though. No, and and you know, did you see the thing where he wore his Augusta vest and had yes. to turn it in, had to change it, and he did that on like, come on, he did that intentionally. And um, I just wish, I wish these people would say, "I'm doing it for the money." You, you know, you're not doing it for this one guy said, yeah. "I want to play around the world." Well, six events are in the United States, like you're. You're not playing for around the world. You're not playing for free. You're going because money, money. It's astronomical money that the PGA cannot put forward. Like they can't compete. Like Saudi Arabia just yeah. print money and throw it away. Yeah. No. And 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 what I would say is, if those guys just came out and said, like, look, this is the kind of money that is going to change my family's life forever for like generations. I have to do this. People would respect it more than this. Oh no, the the PGA is just so right. strict, and you know we don't have enough freedom, and we don't dictate the rules and whatever. It's just like, oh, shut up! You're doing it because you're getting paid a ton of money. Just back, it, you know, if you just shamelessly back the armored truck up, load it up with non-sequential bills, and drive the hell away, we'd be like, all right, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So DJ's made seventy-five million, and it's not enough. Yeah, like I think I might have just made my first million about five, six years ago, teaching all those years. Take 25 years. Interesting sports <laughs> stuff. All right. All right, gentlemen. Have Later, a great guys. vacation, Andy. Ryan, have a great I'll trip to Chicago. Weeks, everybody. Have a great summer. It's going to get hot here in Indiana uh, next week, so sunscreen, everyone. Um, <laughs> and, Jamal, if you're still here, go ECU. We'll see awesome. you, everybody. All right, thanks, guys. Later, guys. See you. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack. 
and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.